Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. How are we doing today, bro? Doing great, brother. <laughs> I bet. I Looking bet. Looking forward to get going here, man. Amen. Hopefully we can get it all in. Yeah, we will try. We will try. And I know we're we're excited because this is actually the launch of now the Good Fight Radio Show. If you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or anywhere that podcasts are found, this is actually the first time we're going to be doing this on video as well. So if you want to see this in video format, you can go to the Good Fight Radio Show's YouTube channel and check it out there. And we're also going to be uploading it to Facebook as well. So with all of that, I don't want to, I, I can't sit there and do too long of an intro because this topic is one that's going to dig in deep. We want to talk about an important subject and it has to do with baptismal regeneration. And that is basically the doctrine that teaches that at your baptism, that is where you are regenerated and ultimately saved. So we're going to be talking about that, whether or not it's a damnable heresy to the point of anyone who teaches it is damned uh, or whether or not, I guess we could even talk about the Church of Christ and their version of teaching it as well. We're going to get into all of that. So I guess I already brought up a group, but Joe, maybe you can give us some of the groups that actually teach baptismal regeneration. Well, yeah, there's all sorts of people that believe in baptismal regeneration. And, and keep in mind, that is the idea, as Chad mentioned, that you are not saved. Uh, you're not saved until you're baptized. In fact, if you are late for your baptism, you get hit by a truck. A lot of people say you are never saved, depending on the, the group, of course. Uh, Church of Christ, as you mentioned, uh, they teach it. Many of them teach you have to be baptized in their churches uh, because you have to actually believe, even your previous baptism as a one who was trusting Jesus, if you're trusting Jesus when you're baptized, but you don't believe your baptism was remitting your sins, that, it, that you're forgiven through your baptism, and that your sins were forgiven at that point, that baptism doesn't count. You have to be baptized by the churches of Christ. Uh, of course, Lutherans, at uh, uh, least the you know Church of Christ, they believe you need to be an adult to be baptized. The Lutherans, and they've got the other thing wrong, which is still very serious, which we'll talk about. But uh, Lutherans, uh, very often, most most Lutherans, uh, according to the their catechisms, you know, you must be baptized as an infant or older. But even infants can be baptized, and they're born again or they're regenerated when they're baptized. Uh, many Calvinists, especially those that are part of the Federal Vision movement, which is many esteemed Calvinists, they believe in infant baptism and they believe in uh, regeneration taking place in infant baptism. Some of them will try to like distance, well, it's not regeneration how you folks believe in regeneration today, or maybe evangelicals speak of it, but but then when you look at how they define regeneration, it's like, wait a minute, this is what you're talking about, regeneration happening at baptism and when you're an infant as well. So uh, many actually teach that. Uh, a lot of it came out of the infant baptism teaching by Augustine, the Roman Catholic Church, and that hangover lasted with Luther and lasted with Calvin. Of course, uh, we have to be honest with church history, though. The church fathers, uh, while you don't see infant baptism in the Bible, and you don't see it with the church fathers, uh, you can show where people debate whether the church fathers really held to baptismal regeneration. There's too many uh, strong quotes from some of the church fathers that show me at least some of them did believe in baptismal uh, regeneration. 
Uh, so the question is, 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 it, is it biblical? Yeah. Uh, we love the church fathers, and we believe a lot of times that what the church fathers are teaching, they're mirroring, mir- uh, they're mirroring a lot of what was taught by the apostles and so forth, especially the earliest of the church fathers. However, uh, Israel had just ceased to be a nation and so forth, and many of them didn't understand Israel's place in biblical prophecy and so forth. So we're sola scripture. What does the scripture, what do the scriptures teach? And we test everybody and everything in light of the word of God. Uh, an old saying used by the Church of Christ, even though we're going to come against their view on baptism, uh, one of their leaders had said, where the Bible speaks, we speak, and where the Bible's silent, we're silent. I actually think that's a very good saying, and that's where we speak, and we believe when you start saying, if you weren't baptized in our church, then you're not saved. That's not biblical. Yeah, I guess the uh, Church of Christ should have been silent on baptismal regeneration then. But nonetheless, I guess that's the important thing is when it comes down to it, because like you said, we can quote different church fathers. And even, you know, when it comes to, you know, with infant baptism, some people will quote them, uh, you know, to try to agree. And then there's the whole debate is, wait, what is, is this children? And children, is this just younger uh, adults yeah. and so forth and not necessarily adults, but Were younger children? they believe children. it or not? And- just well, like the book of Acts with, you know, a lot of Pado-Baptists and so forth. Yeah, now that, and that, I guess that gives us a perfect segue into that because the most important thing, if you're ever listening to this show or any other show that we do, is what does the Scripture say? Because ultimately that's the last thing, the only thing that really matters because it's well, our standard. The scripture. Amen. So what, do, what does the Bible teach us about this, whether or not it's a, a true doctrine from God or not? Well, let me first qualify a couple things I said before we get jump into the Scripture, mm-hmm. only because I can see some people saying, wait, you know, I'm a Calvinist, I'm a Presbyterian, I don't believe in baptismal regeneration. Uh, if you're a Presbyterian, you most likely believe in infant uh, baptism, otherwise you'd be a, a different sort of Baptist, a Calvinist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, not all Presbyterians, I want to make that clear, most Presbyterians would eschew the idea of, you know, you're being regenerated when you're baptized, but many, even some of the most renowned leaders in the, the Calvinistic movement, like Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson is one of the most esteemed Calvinists. He belongs to the Federal Vision Movement, which is a movement of all kinds of different voices, supposed to be a conversation in different churches that believe that, hey, the, the Calvin taught infant baptism. Not only, well, they all agree that Calvin taught infant baptism. In fact, that's why he had Servetus killed. One of the reasons yeah. he had Servetus killed is because Servetus wrote copious notes in the margins of the institutes when he sent it to him, and he read them, and he was coming against infant baptism. He says, if he steps in Geneva, he will not leave alive, and Calvin made sure he was murdered. Uh, some say, well, yeah, Calvin actually tried them to get them not to kill him. No, Calvin said, don't kill him by burning him to death. Let's, let's you know, cut his head off. Uh, and that's because he didn't want it to, he wanted it to be a civil killing, so it wasn't ecclesiastical, which was how they killed heretics, which was by burning, so he didn't want it to be on his head. But later on, I mean... You know, he, he mocked the way he writhed and screamed in the flames. And later on, when he was old, he said that he still stood behind what he did. It's kind of scary for Calvin because the Bible says, you know, no murder has eternal life in them. Mm. And we can't say, oh, he's a product of the times. No, let's say in the times people start killing their neighbors right now. And we start going through tribulation period. And we start just going murdering people that disagree with us. Oh, Lord, you understand. No, we, we, we go by the word of God, not by the times. We're not to be conformed to the times. But with regard to... Uh, infant baptism, or I should say baptismal regeneration, even among infants, Calvinists disagree as to what Calvin taught, even as many Calvinists will say he didn't believe in limited atonement, and they'll debate those issues. But listen to what Doug Wilson says. Doug Wilson, leading Calvinist, says, baptism, and this is in his uh, work, Short Credo on Baptism, I believe that water baptism is the labor of regeneration. So water baptism brings forth regeneration. Uh, and he cites Titus 3.5 and it has nothing to do with infants there, you know? <laughs> and I believe 
What happens is with these guys that believe in pedo-baptism and that re- regenerates is they often confuse the sign with what it signifies. So uh, they take the language that is sometimes used, sacramental-type language, in the Scripture that's tied to baptism, and they say, ah, that must be where we're actually Washing born again. regeneration, yes. Yes, so they, take the, 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 they, they mix the sign up with what it signifies. And it's unfortunate because uh, I'll, there's couples, a couple that I married not too long ago. Parents were at the wedding and, uh, and so forth, and uh, we just had a, it was a beautiful time. But they want to have a bigger ceremony when they can save up some money and can have more relatives and family and friends there, and, and there'll be a ceremony, a marriage ceremony. Well, guess what? They're already married. They're already married legally uh, with knowledge of the state, but they're married, you know, very biblical wedding. Yet when their wedding date comes as far as the formal marriage before everybody, far more witnesses than just their parents and some of the family, uh, people will look at that as their wedding. And there'll be language uh, of them getting married and he'll be kissing the bride. They'll be pronounced husband and wife. But guess what? They will have actually been married prior to that. So sometimes we confuse the sign from what actually has already taken place. And the Bible is very, very, very clear over and over and over again that we're saved prior to baptism. So this is the only way we can actually harmonize the various texts, I believe, personally, is to see a distinction between the sign and uh, the symbol and what is actually signified. But Wilson not only says that uh, baptism is a labor of regeneration. He says that we're saved through baptism. Baptism saves us, he says. And baptism, we not only call the Lord, but he says it, we, it washes away our sins. Uh, and then he says, I believe that in one baptism, for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins. So he makes it really, really, really clear uh, all, all the way through mixing up the sign or what signified with the sign. And Douglas, or I should say Rich Lusk, he's one of the leaders in the Federal Vision Movement, uh, Rich Lust says this uh, in his work, Baptismal Efficacy, means efficacious, and the Reformed tradition, past, present, and future. And he goes into John Calvin saying, hey, Calvin taught not only infant baptism, but that it regenerated the, the, regenerated the person. He states, in Calvin Strasburg Catechism, he asked the student, how do you know yourself to be a son of God? In fact, as well as in name. The answer is, because I am baptized in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In his Geneva Catechism, Lusk writes, he asked, quote, Is baptism nothing more than a mere symbol, meaning a picture or type, of, its, of that which is attached to it? For God does not disappoint us when he promises us gifts. Hence, both pardon of sins, this is interesting, Calvin states, pardon of sins and newness of life are certainly offered and received by us in baptism. Then he goes on to write early on in his discussion of baptism in the Institutes, Calvin Institute of Christian Religion, he claims, quote, we must realize that at whatever time, the moment, we are baptized, we are once for all washed and purged for all our whole life, or for our whole life. Therefore, as often as we fall away, we ought to recall the memory of our baptism and fortify our mind with it, that we may always be sure to be confident of the forgiveness of sins. It's kind of interesting. You fall away, remember that you were baptized, and you have confidence that you have forgiven sins. The Bible says, confess your sins, and he's faithful just forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And then lust goes on, lust goes on to write. Essentially, Calvin could say, quote, you know you are renewed and forgiven because you were, have been baptized. Elsewhere, Calvin wrote, and he ends with this. Uh, this portion is the last of the, what I'm quoting. It is a thing out of all controversy true that we put on Christ in baptism 
that we actually put on Christ in baptism and we're baptized on this very ground that we should be one with him. In other words, it unite, reconciles us with, with Christ, end quote. So this is, uh, and of course, there's other, I've seen uh, arguments both ways from different, uh, uh, those who are, you know, Reformed Calvinists. And, you know, some will point out, yeah, in 19, in, in 1537, he taught that faith accompanied the infant when he was being baptized. That was Martin Luther's view. And that's the Lutheran view is that since you're saved by grace through faith, well, how do you justify infants being baptized? Martin Luther, oh, they must have faith, you know? And Calvin followed that for at least for a couple years from 1537 onward. Then many believe he changed his view. And then others, obviously, like those in uh, the Federal Vision view, don't believe he did change his view. But the Bible is very clear about three things. It's very clear that we have to be saved. We have to put faith in Christ before we're baptized. We have to be disciples before we're baptized. That's a biblical pattern. And that when we put faith in Christ, the Bible is very clear that we're saved. So, uh, and since you put faith in Christ prior to baptism, therefore you're saved before baptism. It's just, it's just, it's, it's crystal clear in the scriptures. So we could start looking at some scriptures right now. No, I think that's that's really important. You know, one of the things that takes place is having this faith in the baptism, which is really what's going on. Is you're moving your eyes away from Christ. That's when it becomes Lord. incredibly dangerous. That that's that is where it's dangerous. You know, and I I was. I was telling Joe one of the first times I had shared the gospel with my dad in terms of actually alongside of me sharing the gospel, uh, you know, he was like, hey, talking to some guy and he didn't uh, at a, a racing place. My dad's a mechanic. And uh, the guy was like, yeah, somebody just died. And my dad said, well, you know, that would be terrible if he died before coming to know Christ. And he said, oh, don't worry. He got baptized when he was little. And you're like, wow, that's pretty sad. Millions you know? of people believe that. And yeah, 100%. Right. Millions of people believe that they were baptized as a, as a child right. and they're good to go now. So yeah. it doesn't matter what takes place. doesn't matter if they live completely abhorrent to the gospel. Uh, you know, they, they consider that that baptism saves them. Yeah, and it's dangerous in two very different ways in trusting in your baptism to be that which saves you. And even though Peter, when he talks about baptism saving us, yeah. it's in the First picture. Three, it's not, yeah. He says, it's not the water that washes away the filth. That's not, that's what many think is going on. You know, yeah. they think, you know, not all of them would describe it that way, of course, but they believe you got to, you know, be sprinkled or dipped in the water. Uh, however, he says, the answer of a good conscience towards God. And that's faith. That's a good conscience yeah. towards God. That's the fruit of your faith that's already active prior to getting in the water. But the symbol of, that's why the symbol of, because it's a picture of entering his death, burial, and resurrection, that's why salvific language is used surrounding baptism because it's a beautiful picture of salvation. But as we'll see, the scriptures are very, very clear. Okay. It's not even close. I mean, scriptures are very, very clear that salvation comes before baptism. Yeah, I know. I think that's one of the more important verses that First Peter three text. You know, because it does. It's for me when I read that text and you see a clear conscience towards God. Not only does that do away also with baptismal regeneration, as if this is the actual thing that saves you, but not the clear conscience before, which is also I would say you put alongside, uh, you know, Romans chapter four with Abraham. Oh yeah. Right? When was he? When was he saved? Before or after he got circumcised? That's the exact question to be asked, right? And it was before, you know, and the Absolutely. fact is, is faith does work. And most reformers you know? look at circumcision as a picture of baptism. Yeah. Yet he was, he was, re, he was saved before uh, baptism for sure. And, and Abraham's a great point because you have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Jacob, you have all these believers in the Old Testament who were saved and not, not a one of them was, we read about being baptized. Yeah, that too. In fact, yeah. you didn't have that kind of baptism in the Old Testament. And they're all in the Hall of Faith chapter, these well, those that were believers in the Old Testament that are mentioned, all those mentioned in the Hall of Faith chapter says they all died in the faith. They're looking for a city, and, and that city will eventually be theirs. 
and they're saved. And, and that's, you know, prior to none of, them, none of them were baptized. And and so when you look at the scriptures, though, you know, John chapter 1, verse 12, it doesn't say as many as were baptized. It says as many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. We become children of God by receiving Jesus Christ. Jesus in John three sixteen didn't say, for God so loved the world that whoever was baptized, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 5, 24 says, truly, truly, I say to you, he that believes in him, he, who sent, he says, has passed or has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Uh, in John 6, 47, Jesus says, he that believes in me has eternal life. John 20, 31, you know, uh, that's the purpose statement of the gospel of John. These things are written that you would what? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That he's the yeah, son of life. God and then believing and you know, you would have eternal life. It's throughout the scripture. In fact, there's about a hundred times through scripture we read uh, salvation connected to putting faith in Christ. I think this is important to understand. Uh, we see repentance, repentant faith before baptism over and over again. In fact, when the Pharisees in the Gospel of Matthew come out to check out John the Baptist's baptism, you know, he said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, right? Mm-hmm a bunch of snakes and stuff. And he said, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. It was called a baptism of repentance. You had to repent before you were baptized. That excludes infants being baptized because infants can't repent. And we don't believe infants, babies need to be baptized because we don't believe that they're, we don't believe that they're stained. We believe in original sin in the sense that we're all affected by sin. But we don't believe little babies are condemned uh, because of Adam's sin. Because the Bible says, don't use this proverb that the children's teeth are set on the edge because of the sins of the parents. Each one will answer for his own sin, the scriptures say. So it's important that we understand when we look at this question of not only is infant baptism destroyed by many of these passages, yeah. because you must believe, you must repent first. I can have a good conscience as a baby, yeah. Absolutely, a good <laughs> yeah. conscience toward God, back yeah. in 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20. And also, uh, they're supposed to bring forth fruit and keep your repentance. These Pharisees, he challenges them, bring forth fruit and keep with repentance. The acts already laid to the uh, the, the root of the tree, and we ca- every tree that doesn't bear fruit, we cast in the fire. So they had to have and show that they were truly repentant, uh, that they had changed hearts, metanoia. Uh, repentance is the change of heart that leads to a change of life. The, the change of life is the fruit of the change of heart. So it's important that we understand this. In fact, I love this, man, throughout Scripture. And this is what I realized, you know, as a younger Christian when I started to look at this issue, that, wow, Look how often Jesus forgives sins and tells people they're saved mm. prior to baptism. In fact, in Mark 2, 5, we read about the paralyzed man in Capernaum. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. He would say, son, you know what? Now that you're not paralyzed in a way, run down to the river before you die or anything. Make sure your sins can be forgiven. No, he said, your sins are forgiven. Uh, we also read, in the scripture, and this is an important one as well, the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears in Luke chapter 7, verses 48 through 50, says that Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Uh, and he said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So being saved is to be forgiven of our sins, of course, be reconciled to God and so forth. And Jesus proclaimed people forgiven over and over again and saved 
prior to baptism. In fact, not one time do you see him say, make sure you can go get baptized so you can sins can be forgiven and you'll be saved. The Samaritan leper, Jesus declared in Luke 17, 19, and he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Jesus declared to Bartimaeus, the beggar, in Luke 18, 42, receive your sight. Jesus told him, your faith has saved you. Uh, on and on and on. In fact, the thief on the cross. And some will say, well, that was before Jesus died. You know, after he died, it's different. Well, the thief on the cross, Jesus said in, what is it, Luke 23, you'll be with me in paradise today. And Jesus died before him. Because when they went to Jesus to break his legs, to uh, basically hasten his death, they, he was already dead. Uh, so this thief, I and mean, this was a guy that was blaspheming him. And he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, you know. He, re he re realized he's a king. He's confessing as a king that has a kingdom. And he was, he was never baptized. Now, someone could argue, well, how do you know they didn't pull him off the cross, baptize him, put him up on the cross again? Which I don't think anybody argues that way because they just have to realize, oh, well, there's exceptions. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, it seems like there's a, a, several, there's, there's scores of exceptions because <laughs> the reality is that uh, salvation comes prior to baptism. Yeah, I think one of the questions we ask on the streets when sharing with Catholics, because they you know, fall into these groups as well, you know, as we ask them, and we stole this one from uh, Ray Comfort, actually, but, you know, you're stabbed in the back, you're bleeding out, I got two minutes to live, what are you going to do? How can I be saved? Uh, and, and, you know, we get this, this just happened in San Antonio not too long ago, and it was, well, I'd find some water, you know, in order to baptize you. And it was like, okay, how about this, we're in the middle of the desert, you got no water. And he's like, well, he'd have a spirit of baptism because he wants to get baptized. Yeah. And you're like, could you imagine the special pleading that needs to take place instead of just recognizing what the scriptures obvious to, obviously teach? But here's one thing also, I know that your heart is this, we don't want to demean baptism because we place it at a very, no, very high not. place, you know. Right. We we emphasize baptism. We have baptism, you know, baptisms at the beach. One of my favorite days People's of the pools, year. They're beautiful yeah. <laughs> times. So much of the fellowship shows up at those times and it's just very, very beautiful. But the Great Commission, you know, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And by the way, he said, uh, preach repentance in Luke 24 for the remission of sins. It wasn't preach baptism for the remission of sins. And that's in Luke 24 when he gives the Great Commission. And we, so we see that it's the repentance, uh, the, that repentant faith that brings the remission of sins. And then in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations, you know, making disciples of all nations. He says, teaching them to observe all things that have commanded you, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all things that have commanded you, along with you, always in the end of the age, verse 20. Well, guess what? You can't teach infants every, to observe everything Jesus commanded. I mean, hey, I mean, my granddaughter, your youngest daughter, one of my granddaughters, uh, she's how old now? About Which one? Galley? The youngest, Golly. She's Galley's only just one, yeah. about a year and year four and months half, or so, yeah. almost a almost year and a half. Guess what? I would have to share those. She's not going to understand one thing I'm telling her about what mm -hmm. Jesus taught to him. But more, take her as an infant. That would be so ridiculous to say, but it says to make disciples and teach them and then baptize them. So it's so unbiblical, this idea about, idea about infant baptism, this idea about baptismal uh, regeneration. You're already a disciple. That means you're a learner you're, and you're a follower of Jesus. You can't follow Jesus uh, according to Calvinists if you're not regenerated yet, you know? Uh, the Bible talks about, you know, those who believe in the Lord Jesus. Those, it talks about those who are born of God love. Well, how many of us were in love with Jesus before we were baptized? 
According to Calvinism, you can't love to be regenerated. But according to many Calvinists in the Federal Vision movement, at least, that, well, you're not regenerated until you're actually uh, baptized. So it just doesn't fit the biblical paradigm. And when you actually go to the book of Acts and, and you read, when it actually breaks down, breaks down what it meant for Jews and Gentiles both to get saved, the clearest picture you see in the book of Acts of that, because Peter was having a hard time understanding that Jews or Gentiles uh, could be saved too at first because he believed in a limited atonement, a little bit of Calvinistic thing going on there until he realized that even the Gentiles and anybody from whatever nation who feared him is welcome to him. Uh, chapter 10, verse 34 through 36 of the book of Acts. But it's interesting when he gets news because God drops a sheep before him and says, kill and eat these unclean animals. Uh, we read something quite interesting. Uh, we read in Acts eleven fourteen that uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and said, he will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. So the, it's through the message that they're going to be saved, not through baptism. And that's what Peter reiterating what the Holy Spirit said to him. Acts 10, 43, we read, On him, Peter's preaching to Cornelius now, on him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. So everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. Well, guess what happens? As through the message, you're saved, and whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins, uh, which is basically what Jesus gave in the Great Commission, Luke 24. Well, then we read the narrative, Acts 10, 20, 44 through 47, right on the heels of that verse I just read. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit in the same way or just as we did. Can he? In other words, guess what? They've received the Holy Spirit the same way we have. So he's realizing, wow, this is what the Holy Spirit told us. They'd be saved through the message. Now they've received the Holy Spirit. That's regeneration. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, you're born again. And now he says, what's to withhold them from being baptized? Now notice, who have, uh, who have received the Holy Spirit just as or in the same way we did. Now, this is really important because Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2, he says to those at Galatia who are trying to keep the law to be saved, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit through the hearing of by faith? or by keeping the works of the law? And it's a redundant, or I should say a rhetorical question. Basically, obviously, it was through hearing by faith. That's what happened to Cornelius prior to baptism. And then we read in Acts, or I'm sorry, in Peter, where Peter breaks down what happened as he's explaining this to others with Cornelius in chapter 11, verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. So in other words, the same pattern of salvation. I think this is huge. Just as us, in other words, this is how we receive the Spirit, not at their baptisms. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us, also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who was I to, that I could stand in God's way? Then verse 18, he says, when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, well then, God has granted the Gentiles, it's important, well then, God has granted the Gentiles, uh, granted to the Gentiles also repentance to life. In other words, when they repented and put their faith in the Lord Jesus while they're hearing the gospel, they received life, the Holy Spirit, regeneration. So that's so, so clear. Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 23, for you have not been born again, or I'm sorry, for you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, 
But through baptism, no, he doesn't say that, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. He's talking about through the gospel. That's how we're born again, through the gospel. That's why Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation. Not to everyone who's baptized, but to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. So I think these are very, very important points. A couple more points I'll make. Uh, 1 John 5.13, how do you know that you're saved? These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5.13. Well, just before that, he gave them one of the clues. What did, what did he write? 1 John 5.1. He that, what? He that's born of God believes what? I mean, it's everyone who believes that Jesus is, is Christ is born, born of, of God. God. Yeah. Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is born of God. So prior to baptism, if you're trusting in Jesus, you are already born again. And, you know, we got to get one last scripture in. All right, the last one. you got about John 30 seconds. John 3.18 <laughs> says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. It doesn't say whoever is not baptized. And we really have to get these dangers out real quick. If you're trusting in your baptism rather than the blood of Christ and saying, man, I went and got baptized, I'm saved, then you're missing the gospel, man. You got to put trust in Jesus alone. Also, don't get old and say, yeah, I was baptized back then and be a backslidden apostate and think you're right with God. You got to come under the blood, confess your sins and get right with Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at PO Box 2202 Simi Valley, California, 93062, or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.